Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We have another Simpsons psychoanalysis for you this week. This one is on the episode of Bart's Dog Gets Enough, which is a play off the the other title that came first, the last episode of the first season, Bart Gets Enough. So this is what Disobedience in is a little helper. What are the Simpson family? What is the Simpson family going to do? Uh, and of course, I think what this really is going to showcase is how to integrate unconscious emotions which is the only way you will ever grow. The only way you will ever grow, hear me now, believe me later, is if you integrate unconscious emotions. Either you can do it on purpose with me, you can do it on accident, or you're not going to grow. That's just it. And what this episode does is it explicates the process of how this happens exactly. So here we have in the, uh, oh wait, this is not the first, this is the first, uh, let me, uh, okay. So this is the first, uh, clip I want to show you. This is Homer Chaz. I didn't send a little helper for not giving him the, the paper. Bad dog. Homer says bad dog indicating a less than healthy relationship with unconscious issues here represented by Santa's little helper. And throughout this uh, presentation on, of this episode, you know, it kind of goes back and forth. Sometimes each individual member in the Simpsons family represents an individual, but sometimes, well, I would say generally the entire Simpsons family represents an individual and each member is a psychological part within that individual family. What the family represents, which is the individual. So we have Santa's little helper here. He is the lower, the catonic, the base, the yin, and he's not integrated very well within the family, which is why he's disobedient. And there's other ill effects in the uh, Simpsons family because of this. Lisa is sick. She has the mumps. Lisa, of course, represents reason. And she's sick. She's, I mean, she's still smart, I guess, but she simply can't perform. She can't go to school because of this poor relationship. To go back to this first slide, you know, Homer doesn't try to communicate with Santa's little helper in any helpful way, just thinks that the dog is bad, like there's something wrong with the dog. And isn't it funny that Homer, the most catonic member of the family, aside from the pets, is the one who has the most disagreeable relationship with that which represents the, lower, the, the lowest part of the family, Santa's little helper, you know. We avow, you know, we, we chastise publicly that which we inwardly know is us. Good representation of that. So, yeah, Lisa's sick. She has the months because of this dysregulated emotion, because of this part of the family that hasn't been fully integrated. And here we have Homer trying to just tell Santa's little helper, uh, I don't want you to have my food. But Santa's little helper is hungry, as we'll see, like, Homer is not paying attention to what the lower, to what the catonic need really is. He's just saying, I don't want you to have my food. Yeah, but this dog has needs. And unless you understand, unless you can perceive what those needs are, I mean, the dog is not really going to tell you. Well, not explicitly, at least. He's going to tell you by trying to, to get your breakfast, which you think is poor behavior. So we need to perceive, we need to recognize this dog as a part of the family and ask, well, what are these needs? So he calls up to Marge. 
Mars, the dog is hungry. <laughs> and she, uh, says back in a sing song way as it says though, as it says there, well then feed him. And Homer says, yes, master. I mean, in these earlier episodes, this is uh season two in these earlier episodes. I mean, Homer, I guess he becomes a big idiot later on. I it's in the later episodes when, you know, Homer's character becomes a parody of itself. He becomes quote jerk ass Homer unquote. But if you were over at this family's house and Homer was tell- yelling up to Marge, who's taking care of sick Lisa, that there's probably great symbolism there, right? Because Lisa's sick. Marge, the caregiver of the hire is distracted. So she can't feed Santa's little helper. So now Homer has to do it. But he's just totally tuned out from his Santa's little helper's needs. So tuned out that he would just complain to Marge about it rather than just feeding him himself. Which if you have a dog, feeding them is a lot of fun. Why, why would you want to give that to anybody else? I, I love doing that. And then, of course, Santa's little helper eats his breakfast and they just chain him out of the yard. And isn't that what you do with the with dysregulated emotions when you don't know how to manage him. You just chain him out back. Yeah, I mean, it's still here, but we're not happy about it. And then the dysregulation is carried out. He, uh, Santa's little helper, digging up the backyard, <laughs> creating a, right? I mean, just look at how much of the backyard he's t- torn up within the radius of his leash. There's, energy there there are needs going unmet and so because of that he acts out in a disobedient way the simpson family acts out in disobedient ways and even you know feels the ill effects of it by lisa getting sick uh homer here it's indicated that santa's little helper doesn't understand english he doesn't understand when humans try to talk to him and it's not simply understanding well, it is understanding the emotion and the intention behind the communication that comes from humans, but also it's clear by this. He doesn't even understand the the crusty doll here who says, you're my best friend. It's a talking doll. It says, you're my best friend. It just sounds like jabbering to Santa's little helper. It's black and white. This is Santa's little helper view. What does this mean? I, th- I think it means that Man, I had a good thought there. I, I think it means that Santa's little helper is just completely disconnected from the hire. He, he can't even listen to a dog or listen to a doll, excuse me. And then in the next scene, Lisa is sick. She's going to get out of school and Bart. As, as a symptom of this dysregulation uh, is lazy. I mean, Bart's lazy. It's like, Lisa, Lisa wants Bart to get homework for her from school. And Bart's like, well, what are you doing? You, you have this time off. Just sit around and, and do nothing. Lisa still wants to work, even though she, quote, really probably not a good idea for her to work. It's better for her to just sit and relax. But Bart, again, as a symptom of a dysregulation in the family, like, yeah, I guess he wants Lisa to do the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. He wastes the chicken pox. Don't waste the mums, right? And then I think this is a, a great, so now we're back to Santa's little helper out in the backyard and he does something funny here, which I, I bring up 
several times. Like, what is shame? What is dysregulated emotion? And shame is this feeling. It's this affect that we get around dysregulated emotions. It's just something that appears. I don't think it's an emotion as I would typically define it. It is an affect. It is an affect that appears around dysregulated emotions, around anxiety we don't know how to manage in a healthy way, around anger we don't know how to manage in a healthy way. What do I, what was my uh, shame symbolism that I used? I mean, this goes back years. I mean, probably a decade now (laughs) is what shame does is it doesn't just destroy things. It, it's like, it's like you're gardening, right? And it creates this plant, it creates this flower. And here we have Santa Zell Hubbard with a, uh, with a flower and it nurtures it. And he gets the flower to grow to this beautiful thing. And then right as the flower is about to win some prize in the, you know, county flower competition, I think they have orca competitions, it stomps on it. It ruins it. Self-sabotage, shame. This is how it interacts. This is how it affects us when we're not aware of it. And this is what Santa's little helper does here. He takes this potted flower. Well, first he digs this hole. He takes this flower and puts it in this hole. You're like, oh, this dog, it's it's at least accidentally doing the right thing by putting the flower into the hole in the ground. And then he just tears up the flower. It's like so close. And then you ruin it. Uh, And of course... He breaks free. Uh, I can't see it there, but this is a never break collar. Again, just indications of, I don't want to deal with this unconscious motion. I'm going to put it in the backyard and I'm going to keep it there with my commands from on high. With my leash that here I think represents affirmations. And I'm going to be disciplined and I'm going to wake up at this time and do this thing. But it's just never, you know, no, no matter the promise of these affirmations, it's it never works long term it works for a little bit until your unconscious emotions really want to get get away as santa's little helper does here it gets away and then wreaks habit throughout the town eating beef jerky at the quickie mart um getting his needs met you know not in a pro-social way but he goes out and gets his needs met and then what does he do next here? But it's not all bad. I mean, one thing that I think it's good to note here is that Santa's little helper also chases birds. And that's what I've always likened men talking to women as. It's like a dog out chasing birds. And whether you, the dog never catches a bird, but just the act of doing it, or a squirrel or whatever, just the act of chasing animals, it's... um. It's satisfying, right? I mean, that's what Santa's little helper is out without a leash on him, is he is, you know, maybe doing unhealthy things by wreaking havoc in a Pooza convenience store, but he's also satiating his needs in a way that only the Katonic knows how to. So Homer gets a call. We're going to skip a few minutes here. Uh, Santa's little helper swimming in some pool, and then he... uh, Takes him home, and isn't it interesting that the first person to be nice to Santa's little helper in this episode, and really the first time we see Santa's little helper smile in this episode, which will give us an instance of what the solution is and how to integrate unconscious emotions. The first person to yeah treat Santa's little helper well and to acknowledge him for the monster that he is, is Flanders. 
who's of course the nice uptight religious guy but isn't this what religion is religion is creation of form for the catonic for these lower parts for this unconscious that you know when we first come up against it we go oh this is terrible and usually we only kind of come up against it when we're you know in a terrible state in our lives like you know Jung always says if you're having dreams with archetypal symbols in them like if you have mandala dreams you're not you know life isn't going well at least in that moment right you you are a frayed nerve you, you are an exposed raw nerve in your life at that moment if you're so deep in your unconscious in your dreams that, that you come up against these archetypal symbols but this is what religion does is it takes these archetypal symbols it takes these hallucinations of quote crazy guys that we all relate with and it puts them up in this church and says look at them let's all relate so i think it's interesting that yeah i mean maybe ned flanders is the uptight religious guy and, uh, but he knows because he is religious he knows it's like what Muslims say say about putting women in burqas. It's not that they're in denial of their sexuality. No, they know. They know that women are sexual. And there's no getting around that. And that's why they put them in burqas. Now, obviously, I don't think that's the right thing to do. It's 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 clearly the Muslim version of putting Santa's little helper in a never-break-collar. Right? It's just um, creating these principles from on high and repressing uh, sexuality. But I just think it's interesting here that that Ned is the one who can recognize Santa's little helper for the water monster that he is. Water monster, right? I mean, just the, the connotations of water. You know. You know if you're into Jung. And then Homer gets distracted, right? Rather than, uh-oh, it's time to discipline. It's time to communicate with Santa's little helper. What does Homer do? Is he gets distracted by not success of course then it wouldn't be a distraction but the trappings of success these expensive shoes that flanders bought these assassins uh, and that'll come back later and then lisa goes to the doctor it uh, she does indeed have the mumps as dr hibbert confirms and this is interesting because Dr. Hibbert asks her what her favorite subject in school is, and Lisa says arithmetic. You know, very much uh, a Spock, a Mr. Spock kind of, uh, you know, science STEM, very much in line with the logos, the, the yang that Lisa um, represents here. You know, she didn't say history. Why does she say arithmetic? And why doesn't she say math? Why does she say arithmetic? I don't know. You know, because I think math is just more of an abstract field. And, you know, I took a lot of math in college. And, you know, I just found it. The more advanced you get in math, the more abstract it becomes. But arithmetic is just very factual, very black and white. So I think that's why it's arithmetic and not math. This is what the consciousness does when it's trying to compensate for dysregulated emotions as it focuses on facts, the concrete. Look at Sam Harris. 
I mean, Lisa, by saying arithmetic is her favorite subject, she's saying that, you know, she's basically like Sam Harris and this guy who claims to like reason, but he just doesn't have the emotional wherewithal to really know what is entailed when he speaks of reason. And then what does Dr. Hibbert do is he indulges is, is he indulges when you're sick, you must necessarily end up indulging yourself. When you have dysregulated emotions, you must indulge yourself. This is one of the, you know the example of it being a skewed line between Lisa be, being an individual and the Simpson family, each component of which is an individual. But Lisa's still the yang. She's still the high. She's still the consciousness. And, and what does the uh, consciousness do when it regresses? What what's a healthy way to regress is to revert back to archetypes. I mean, that this is what you do, and this is what she's doing here. She is being introduced to the Simpsons family quilt, noting uh, different family members um, from the family, past achievements, you know, whatever important thing has happened to the Simpson family. And so she regresses and goes in the past, goes back in her history. Uh, this is a healthy way of, okay, you're sick, there's dysregulated emotion, how do you manage that? Well, first you go back to the past and figure out, how did we end up here in the first place? Let's look at our family history to figure out, yeah, exactly that, how we got here. And this is what Lisa does. Very impressed, and she becomes very into it, as we will see. But first, Homer, man, now I forget why Homer is in the mall. He's in the mall for something. I've, anyways, he gets distracted. I, I thought that was important. Why is Homer in the mall? Anyways, he gets distracted by the assassins. And I think this is, you know, join the conspiracy, right? What's the conspiracy? Everyone, conspiracy theories are really popular now. And I admit I have my own conspiracy theories to some degree. And it's not too much. But ultimately, the conspiracy that affects you the most, that I know affects me the most way more than any, you know, cabal Bilderberg group, whatever taking over America is your own conspiracy with yourself. And isn't that what fear is? Fear is a conspiracy you have with yourself to hide who you are from other people. And this is what, this is what Homer, you know, um, allows himself to be distracted by. And here he has the rationalization as a sign of fear. He imagines that what Ned said was, I demand that you get these shoes. This is Homer's rationalization. This is Homer, his conspiracy with himself to hide what's really important, which is, Homer, you have this dog who's, you, you do not communicate well with this dog as represented by your family being fractured. And now, you're distracting yourself with this by rationalization. That's the conspiracy. So Homer gets the assassins and he puts them up and I, yeah, I made a gif and he hides them, right? We can see that Homer, well, doesn't hide them, but he puts them up high. So Santa's little helper couldn't reach them, but the lace falls and you could say, and, and because the lace falls, that's why Santa's little helper is able to reach the shoes like that. Well, isn't this what we do? Isn't this a self-sabotage that you do? Oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm grandstanding. I'm saying, yeah, I'm, I'm putting the shoes up so Santa's little helper doesn't get them. But you secretly want Santa's little helper to get the shoes. 
why is why weren't you being more careful with the lace, right? It's because you unconsciously want it. Because, you know, we can say self-sabotage is a bad thing, but ultimately we need it to show us what's going on. So it's like it's you trying to reveal to yourself the truth of who you are. That's why you work really hard in, on this orchid, in this competition. And and so you so it means more. So it's more dramatic at, at the day before the competition when you get drunk and you rip it in half. Oh, it's self-sabotage. Because you did that, your life is now going in a negative direction. It's not necessarily negative. It's just showing you what's going on. And this is what the higher parts of us do when we're not, that they're not in touch with the lower parts. They know. And Homer is not, you know, doesn't represent the highest component in the Simpson family, but he's definitely um, higher than Santa's little helper. And what's the solution to this is a bigger collar a bigger leash with a bigger lock more affirmations more discipline chastisement right self-criticism chastisement um, but you know marge who represents the higher form of consciousness she wants to put santa's little helper in some kind of obedience school and here we see that the culture at large doesn't really understand what disobedience is this one indicates that disobedience is bad. Like it represents something lower. East side, rough form school. Rough form, reform. I mean, indicated that the dogs are rough. There's something wrong with them and they need... Right, like you're disobedient, you're bad. There's something wrong with you. There's something immoral with you. And maybe there's something is is immoral, but this is a psychology channel not a philosophy channel all right so this just represents the negative view that maybe culture at large large has with uh catonic eruptions of our unconscious and another one right uh if you're disobedient then you're crazy this one and this the tagline here is i don't know if it's a tagline but it's uh, a claim here is like we once taught a dog to drive Right, and that's silly because a dog's not supposed to drive. If you taught a dog to drive, you're you're making it do something unnatural, indicating that yeah, maybe you can make a dog less crazy, but you do it in an unnatural way, and you know that if you make a dog, if you teach a dog how to drive, or you say you have to drive to be a good dog, then there is going to be a compensation for that and more disobedience in the future. In the short term, yeah, you maybe can teach a dog to drive. I don't know how you would do that without giving it opposable thumbs, but whatever, it's a joke, right? But this is something that I've said before is, you know, people, I think the reason why we have a disconnect with our unconscious in our society is because just people cannot recognize its nature. Or they think that its nature should be, quote, one way when in fact is not that one way. So, you know, so common examples with sexuality or what Muslims do, for example, with sexuality. But, you know, we do it here in the West just to a less degree is it's wrong. It's bad. It's it's an evil, but it's a necessary evil because without it, we don't have procreation. So you can only have, you know, this is more a strict version of it. You can only have sex within the confines of marriage and only for the sake of procreation. There's still a lot of that in America, even though most of us don't believe that, but we were founded by Puritans. So a lot of that is still in our culture. And um, 
right? Like we shouldn't have sexuality. We shouldn't need sexuality to connect with somebody in a romantic way. Yeah, but it it's our nature to do that. And of course, there can be misuses of sexuality, especially when it comes from poor intentions or a place of uh, low, uh, you know, if you don't have a very solid concept of yourself, it can really come out in negative ways and you can hurt people with your sexuality. Of course you can. But it's there and it exists and in order to really manage it, we, we need to acknowledge that. And that example I always use, it's, you know, saying that we should just not be sexual is like, Saying a dog isn't moral unless it reads Einstein, it reads Shakespeare, and then it goes out in the in the yard and buries a bone in the backyard, and we say, "Ah, I told you, I always knew that dogs were bad." Like, no, what did you want it to do? You you did not start with where you are. You did not begin with the facts of reality. You begin with what you think dogs should do. Ultimately, because you're insecure about your inability to communicate with dogs. And I think that kind of idea is represented here in this ad. And then Marvin Monroe's Keenan Therapy Institute, your dog isn't the problem, you are. Which is true. I think this is true. But what's Marvin Monroe's solution is to hit the guy with the, you know, more corp corporal punishment. Instead of tying the dog in the backyard, we need to tie you in the backyard. This is the the best of these ads, but it's just a lateral move, right? And then we've finally come to Emily Winthrop's Canine College when nobody knows what they're talking about, when nobody knows how to discipline dogs, when nobody knows how to communicate with dogs or that which represents the lower, the unconscious. What, what do we have to rely on? Marketing. That's all we have. Marketing and reputation. Oh, look at that ionic column and that, oh, it looks Emily Winthrop. It sounds very regal and aristocratic, like, you know, like comes from a, a school of good breeding, like dogs come from good breeding, you know, all these connotations. But I think we're going to find out that Emily Winthrop doesn't know any better than anybody else does. She just has better marketing. And I think that's very indicated, indicated today when you have therapists who go out and they're not good therapists, but they have a bunch of credentials behind their name. It doesn't, make you a good therapist. In fact, to the extent that there is a problem with the APA and psychology academia as a whole, and there's huge problems, the more credentials you get, the more degrees you get, chances are you're going to actually be a worse therapist. And so that's what we find out here, right? We, uh, it's just corporate punishment. It's just strict punishment. That's all she uh, advises Bart to do, and here we have this little helper being choked out by a cow. I just think that, I mean, obviously abuse of dogs is, is awful, but that this is funny because it does show an abuse of dogs, but there's just something funny about it. I like how his eyes kind of go in two different directions. It's it's funny, right? <laughs> and then you have uh, Marge and Lisa, at least in this episode, representing the uh, higher forms of consciousness, but you know, they're sitting home and they are actually distracted by the lower. They are intrigued. And here they're watching some sultry soap opera. You have a guy who is abusive to this woman, yet she still loves him. And I love that look in his eyes, that half open, half open eyes as he's making out with her. It's just like, doesn't really care. He's not really into it. You know, her eyes are closed. She's into it. And this is intriguing, of course, to all forms of our consciousness. 
I just think it's a funny thing that they get uh, into it. Obedience school. It's not working out for Bart. This is the montage where all the dogs are learning. But presumably they only learn because they're choking their dogs out with a chain. And Bart's not going to do that, right? He doesn't want to hurt Santa's little helper. He's trying to do it in the right way. But but he's still not communicating with him, as we see by Santa's little, by his, Santa's little helper's look there. He's trying to push his push his butt down. No, you're not commu- like you're you're on the, you're on the wrong end, Bart. <laughs> you're, you're, it's very noble that you don't want to choke your dog out, but you're on the wrong end. And it's not a function of oh, there just needs to be more weight on Santa's little helpers, but to get him to sit, it's you aren't really communicating with him. I guess this is very much like if we have a, if we have something to work on and we know we're not supposed to go check Twitter, right? Um, when we're like fighting, we're like I, I really shouldn't be checking Twitter, and we just find ourselves fighting with this impulse to check Twitter. You're going to lose that fight eventually. You will win in the moment, perhaps, and you'll get whatever you need to get done. But on the long enough time frame, you will lose that fight if you are not communicating with your unconscious in a healthy way you will lose doesn't matter what you want it doesn't matter what you want and then homer goes to return the shoes after saying little's helper destroys them and i thought this was just a good um (laughs) there's a section of the shoe store that's got for street crime and i think this is just interesting how you know, it just speaks to, I don't want to be, you know, weird leftist anti-corporate guy, but corporations will feed off lower impulses in us to make money. Whose fault is that? Is it the corporation's fault or is it our fault for not managing these impulses, our own Santa's little helper in a healthy way, so we're much more likely, therefore, to commit street crime. And when that happens, corporations are going to, do whatever they can to profit off of it. It doesn't cause the problem, I would say, but it exposes our problem. It aggravates a problem that's already there. And then the, the clerk at the <laughs> at the shoe store says, our warranty doesn't cover fire, theft, or acts of dog. You know, dog is God backwards. Here it's implied that the dog is God. I don't think dogs are gods, but our connection with them maybe is a closer a closer indication of perhaps what God means to us, not what God is philosophically, but at least what God means to us, no matter whether you believe in God, it it indicates what God means to us. The Simpsons' ability to connect with Santa's little helper will be, at least in this episode, what God is. And that's indicated here by what the clerk says. Homer's at the mall, gets distracted by this cookie place. (laughs) He gets a free sample, and then he laments this lady, oh, that's what you do, you get me addicted, and then jack up the price. So he goes in and buys a a cookie. Yeah. When higher parts of yourself are distracted, when they lack regulation by forming a relationship with the unconscious, they get distracted, they get addicted. These things are way more likely to happen. So Homer gets the cookie and 
puts a note on it saying, this is my property, nobody take it. But he's just calling attention to it, right? He's putting it in the cookie jar. He's putting it out on the table for anybody to see. He's making a point on the surface. He's making a point like, I don't want anybody to destroy this cookie. But secretly he wants to because he know unless his, the unconscious destroys this ter- this cookie, he's not going to be able to grow. And Lisa sews her own patch into the quilt. It's like It represents the two sides of music. Um, Oh, God, I I forget the music teacher's name. Uh, This, uh, I I feel shame about this. What what is his name? Mr. Margo? Crap. You guys are probably screaming at it, or screaming at the screen right now. But anyway, so one, one of her music influences sucks the soul out of music, and the other one infuses soul into the music you know music it's just this thing out there it doesn't really mean much it's all in how we approach it in a sense she's summing up in a way the the theme of the episode so i think that's good but they leave it there and santa's little helper tears it apart marge is upset and but that's what the uh that's what the dysregulated emotion does when we leave it alone is is it uh tears things up it ruins our history it turns our history upside down it says that your nature in a sense doesn't matter that there is no history it erases that that's what it does and then they're having a discussion about what to do with Santa's little helper of course Homer wants to get rid of him but but Lisa even though you know she's been affected by this you know she just added her patch to the quilt she is uh she's saying is that what we do we, we can't just get rid of this part of ourselves we we need to learn how to work with them and homer though he's you know very passionate about getting rid of santa's little helper lisa even though she's more affected homer's hook cookie was eaten but that's kind of the joke because it's not that much of a big deal as it is for the quilt to homer it is but Lisa's actually more dispassionate. You know, she's more reasonable, which again just indicates this disconnection in the family of between reason and emotion. And then next, what's coming up here? Oh yeah, so that they decide if Santa's little helper doesn't pass obedience school, then they're, they're going to get rid of him. So no, a lot's on the line. Bart realizes uh, that that's, you know, not going to happen, that Santa's little helper isn't going to learn. And he says, look, can you just pass my dog since you're going to get paid either way? Just pass him. And Emily Winthrop, what she says here is heavens to Murgatroyd, which is like an old English aristocratic name, as indication that she does come from her view of of life is that of a stratified society. Yeah of what society should be is that of, of one that's stratified. And she's not, and she has principles here because she's not going to pass Santa's little helper. But because she comes from the stratified society where you do recognize certain names as being better than others, Murgatroyd being one of these names, that it's still important to her that principles matter. Now, maybe not principles in the fact of like you're loyal to the aristocratic family that you come from, you know, the fields uh, of whom you tend, but 
she's going to be, you know, driven by principles. And so she's not going to pass in as a little helper. And what Bart does is he uh, chokes out Senna's little helper here. He, he does it. He abuses his emotions to fit in. He abuses his emotions to earn the approval of somebody else. And isn't that what we all do? When we just don't know how to communicate with what's going on with us, we end up abusing our emotions ourselves for the sake of other people's approval or at least the avoidance of their disapproval. And that's what Bart does here. But then he quickly acknowledges that that was a mistake and he hugs Santa's little helper. And, um, I don't know. Is Santa's little helper starting to, is this the beginning of the communication that Bart has with Santa's little helper? Is this the beginning of the end? Lisa, she creates a new patch that uh, connotes the destruction of the old quilt. Oh yeah, that's the point I wanted to make. So Bart here promises that he's not going to hurt Santa's little helper again. And Lisa's been sick in every scene of this show. Lisa's sickness, of course, being a representation of this dysregulated emotion within the family. The first time that she is shown to be healthy in this episode is in the next scene. That's why I wanted to bring this up. Till not have the months anymore. So what really cured Lisa? Maybe it was just promising that, you know, no matter what happens with my emotions, I'm not going to abuse them anymore because maybe bad will come in the short term when this happens. But long term, this is going to be the better thing. I mean, that's the fundamental shift here when Bart makes that promise to Santa's little helper. Like, I'm, I'm not going to just do affirmations to get rid of you. I may still do affirmations, but I'm not going to do it to shut you out. I'm not going to make my gratitude list when I feel depressed. I'm actually going to look at why I'm depressed, understand what that depression says, how that relates with anger, how that relates with my needs between a healthy need and an unhealthy need. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to make this clear because this abuse of you is, is not working. And that's when the family heals as represented by Lisa being healthy, not having the mumps. And isn't it, isn't it a great thing when, when you finally confront your emotions <laughs> Right, and you look at them for what they really are, and you're not going to abuse them anymore. Now you look at all the ba the bad things, quote unquote, that your emotions have done in the past, and you're like, "This is beautiful." Actually, at the lowest point, what I thought was my lowest point, when I took this perspective on my emotions, it ended up being, my, you know, my highest. And Lisa, who's well, now is able to to move about the family and, you know, communicate well. Of course, she represents the Logos again. And she says, Bart, he's not going to learn it now, so don't spend your last hours tormenting the poor creature. Bart's out in the yard trying to get Santa's little helper to sit. And look at Santa's little helper. He's, he's in play pose here. He just wants to play. You know, what, what's going on? So she says, have some fun. Frolic with him. And she says, Go get it, boy. And she throws the ball. And then... Homer and, or excuse me, Bart and Santa's little helper, they, um, they're playing, you know, they're wrestling in this scene, actually, you know, Santa's little helper is on top now and Bart's on bottom, but previously, you know, a few seconds previously, maybe I should have done a gift for this. Uh, Bart was on top and, you know, it, it, 
indicating this play between high and the low. We just, it, it's not a static state, you know, a regulation individuation is not a static state. It's this constant process of the high becoming low, the low becoming high and back and forth. And then Bart gets, you know, really sad because he, he's having fun with them, but he realizes, man, Santa's little helper isn't going to get better. If only you just could listen to me. And this is the last scene we see of Bart before Santa's little helper begins to obey him. He's about to cry. Maybe he is crying. But he's not. It's, he's at least not depicting any tears here. And then next what happens is we kind of zoom in on Santa's little helper's face there, right? Indicating that, up, oh, he's going to... We're going into his mind, and here in Santa's little helper's mind, he sees Bart cry. And when Bart cries, that's when he listens. When B Bart totally gives up, that's... When he listens, when Bart wants nothing else in the world than to communicate with his dog, that's when the dog listens. Dog doesn't listen to everything. He still hears everything else as blah, 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 but he does understand sit. You can't communicate with your dysregulated. I love the symbolism. You can't, you never really communicating with your dysregulated emotions. There's always going to be something there, but you can do it more. You can do it more. So I don't know what Bart's saying here. Nobody knows, but he does say sit, and that's what Santa's little helper listens to. And then at the end of the episode, <clears throat> when we do the outro, very much like at the end of uh, Animal House, to, to see what happened to all the dogs. Santa's a little helper, bit Bart, and Homer didn't mind. Again, this indication that, yeah, you can train your dog, you can train the unconscious, still going to come up and bite you, but you're, you're not going to mind. It's okay. You're not going to freak out at, at every instance of a dysregulated emotions eruption. It happens. The only alternative is to live without these dysregulated emotions, and, I mean, what, what would the Simpsons be? without Santa's little helper. So that's it for this breakdown, the Simpsons psychoanalysis. Hope this, you know, I think these episodes have a lot of uh, meaning hidden in them. And I think that's why they're funny. Why they're funny is why they're meaningful. This is where humor comes from. Made that point before. Maybe you glean something from this, even if you're not the biggest fan of the Simpsons. But if you're not, at least, you know, the first nine seasons, the 90s Simpsons, as we say. Uh, yeah, there is no greater sign of dysregulation than not being a fan of at least the 90s Simpsons. All right. Thank you, guys. We do free consultations. AnimusEmpire.com slash schedule if you just want to reach out and talk. No big deal. We can do that. Thank you, guys. And I will leave it there.